This morning, we're going to continue to go in and look in the book of Jonah. We'll be in the second chapter. Well, if you look at your program this morning or your bulletin, there's no mistake. The scripture reference is correct. Because for today's sermon, we're going to go backwards in the chapter 2. We're going to go backwards and see what would have happened if Jonah had done what he was supposed to do first. See, Jim Marshall, he wanted to do something that would live in the the hearts and the minds and the souls of the Vikings fans and followers. But as he went the wrong opposite direction, and instead of scoring the touchdown, they actually got a safety. So instead of getting six points, they only got two. So as we run through life, what, how are we running? The reason that we're going backwards today is because we as Christians, sometimes we do a lot of things backwards. Sometimes we don't go in that direction that God wants us to go. And then we start wondering, well, why is this happening and how come this is doing this and why is this taking place? It always amazes me that when we get to the very end of our rope, that's when we look to God to find out what went wrong. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 10, it says, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on the dry land. But as far as me, this is Jonah, but as far as me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving, and I will fulfill what I have owned. Salvation is from the Lord. Those of those, <clears throat> those who cling to the worthless idols forsake faithful love. In verse 7, as my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, this morning we just ask, Lord, that your spirit is here and it fills up this place. Father, that you're lifted up. And Father, that we could remember you in every aspect of our life and everything we do. And Father, we just thank you for the opportunities that we've had. Father, our Vacation Bible School, getting to share your love with, with children and with families, Lord. Father, with men gathering and meeting and hearing about your word. Father, our ladies that are meeting and willing to do. Father, for tomorrow's trip, we just ask that you bless us, Lord, with safety. Father, you keep us all from harm. But, Father, most of all, you fill us with your spirit that we can represent you. And, Father, we just thank you for those that are here this morning. But, Father, we ask that those of us that, of our group that are just traveling and are on vacation, Lord, Father, we just ask that you give them rest. Father, you give them peace. Father, put that hedge of protection around them as they're traveling. Father, we have some that are sick this morning. and God, we just ask that you be with them. Father, heal their bodies and make them whole again. 
And Father, for the ones that are having to stay and work this morning, God, we just ask that you uplift them and bless them in a special way. Father, we just thank you for all that you've given us and all that you've done for us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. As we look at verse 10, we find something very special that God has done. Now, to recap, we found we looked last week at where Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was the home capital city that the Assyrian army was based out of. And that Assyrian army, as we dig into history and we find out, the Assyrian army were mean. They were cruel. They impaled bodies and put them up on stakes in their front yard for trophies. They cut the heads off and they piled them up in displays. And sometimes, just to make sure you understood they were going to be cruel, they would skin their captors alive. And this was the town that God told Jonah, go tell them I love them. Jonah said, I ain't going. I ain't going over there. They're mean, they're cruel, you shouldn't love them, you shouldn't care about them, and you shouldn't be worried about what happens to them. But see, in the story, God's story, He promised to protect His children. And the Assyrian army was already in Damascus, destroying everything therein. And guess who was next? The Israelites. So God said, go to Nineveh and tell them, I've saw their wicked ways. I'm I'm not pleased with them. And if they don't repent, they're going to die. And Jonah thought it would be better if he disobeyed God and left and let the Assyrians die. So when he was out on the boat, the boat became rough and the seas and a big storm come up. Jonah's down in the bottom. And he's a good Baptist. He's in the very back of the boat. Nobody can see him. And he's sound asleep. He doesn't see all the things that are going on. All the heartaches and troubles and sorrows and pain that everybody's going on. He doesn't see it. And all of a sudden, the captain wakes him up. He says, how are you sleeping? Do you not see what's going on? Jonah says, it's me. All this is because I'm disobeying God. And these men that were sailing didn't believe in God. So they're like, no, this couldn't be possible. So they went up and they cast lots. Now, that sometimes would mean some rocks in different shapes that they would make. Maybe bones in different lengths. It may be a combination of sticks, bones, and rocks, and whatever. And when they cast the lots, they all fell on Jonah. And he's sitting there going, see, I told you. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. But if you'll throw me overboard, it'll all stop. And they went, no, we can't do that. We know you're surely dying. Jonah said, look, it's either me or y'all. And at that point, they were like, okay, And I believe that's where the first Baptist church formed, right there. Is they've got somebody that's causing problems and they don't want, you know, we're not going to help him. We're just going to grab him and chunk him overboard. Do you feel that way sometimes when you come to church? 
You're having all these problems and all these heartaches and all these sorrows. And everybody around you just seems to want to pick you up and throw you out. Throw you out like last night's dishwater. So they picked Jonah up and they hurled him over the side of the boat. And it's, I believe as soon as the last piece of skin of Jonah went over the rail of that boat, I believe that boat stopped rocking. Because the Bible says immediately the sea calmed down. Then the Bible goes on and says God caused a great fish, a huge fish, to swallow Jonah. We have an old, had an old pastor down in Alabama. Stood about yay high, gray-headed, about that big around. And as he was standing at the back door one Sunday morning on the way out, this young man stopped and asked him, do you really believe that a fish swallowed up a man? And he looked him straight in the face and he said, I believe God's word. So much that if it said Jonah was commanded to swallow the great fish, I'd have believed that. I believe Jonah was swallowed up. And in chapter 1, verse 15, then the Lord appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights. You imagine the stench that he was smelling? Can you imagine that? Rottening sea life, plankton and seaweed, and now Jonah and his water in there and he's tossing around and everything is. But chapter two, verse ten says, God crossed Jonah. To be vomited up on dry land. See, that was, that, boy, that just reached out and grabbed me this week. As I was reading through this and I was thinking, you know, what, why was that? But then it, it just came to me. I mean, it's just like God said, look, I'm showing you something. God caused the fish to vomit him up on dry land. On dry land. God could have had that fish vomit him up out in deep waters. He could have been on the very bottom of the ocean and regurgitated everything out. And Jonah could not have swam to the surface fast enough without dying, without drowning, without getting the bends and not being able to breathe, move, or do anything. God did not allow him to drown in his sorrows and his pain. God could have had that fish spit him up over on a reef or on the rocks where the waves were rocking in and out and it would have torn his body to shreds. But he chose to put him on dry land. Jonah could have been vomited back up near a fishing vessel where he had been caught in their nets and drugged for hours upon hours behind the boat. Suffering more and more. But the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2 verse 10 that God had him placed on dry land. What does that mean for us? 
What does that mean in our lives today? Well, when life seems to be swallowing us up and we are just about to our rope's end, God's not going to take you out to the deepest end of the pool and drop you off. God's not going to leave you somewhere where you'll be torn to shreds and torn to pieces by life. we got people in this church this morning that are sitting here with trying to wear a smile on their face. But their life is in a struggle. It's in a turmoil. It's in hurt. It's in pain. But they don't know which way to go. Well, let me tell you, God's not going to leave you struggling in the way that you are. God will bring you out to a place where it's safe. Have you ever gone swimming and you just cannot make it back to the bank? You ever felt like that? I mean, you're out there, you're swimming and swimming. My wife and oldest son, one year, we were at a company picnic over here in Orinoco. The day before, the group that was out setting up had to come back into town and go to the nurse and go to the doctor because they were covered in leeches. From their head down, trying to set up for the canoes the next day. It had rained and rained and rained and rained. The river over there, I mean, it was out of its banks. It was ugly. And I said, don't go. Y'all met my son, Brandon, most of you. He went. His mama went with him. The canoe that Brandon was in capsized. It just, one of the girls got scared because they hit a branch. And it bumped the boat. She jumped out well, on her way out. She flipped the boat, and the other two went under. Brandon may tell you he can swim. Swims like a rock. Katie is in the other boat who has taken some lessons but hasn't swam in years, and she jumps out of the boat. Me and Brittany, we're over here at the cotton candy and the popcorn aisle, and we're enjoying the picnic. Hear this big commotion over here. And we hear one person, one lady scream, Oh God, I think he's dead. And so I start wandering over. Man, do that is that not what we do? They something dead and stinking over there. Let me go look at it. Let me go over and see about it. When I get over there, my wife and son are being brought out of the water by our operations manager. They started through. Katie found the first girl and picked her up. And when she got to Brandon, she could see his face under the water. And he couldn't come up. A branch had broken and it had caught the back of his belt. And it was holding him under. She could see his face. She could see him. And he was motioning for her to go on because she too was starting to sink. She didn't. She kept on until she got a hold of him. And she pulled and she pulled until that twig broke or that branch broke and she was able to pull him out. Our complex or our operations manager got to him and helped him back over and come to find out that was about the sixth or eighth person he had pulled out of that same part. And they decided, we don't need to go canoeing. 
Me, being the compassionate father and loving husband, walked over and went, told you not to go. Is that not the way we as Christians do? We see our fellow brothers and sisters struggling in life. Struggling to make it. They're trying their best to get go through. They're trying their best to make sure that they wear the right smile and they talk the right talk. But in their hearts, they're hurting, they're breaking, they're bending. And instead of reaching out and picking them up and pulling them out, we do like the sailors. We grab them and we throw them overboard. We don't need that dragging us down. When we call out to God, God will take you and put you on dry land where it's safe, where it's solid. You don't have to worry about sinking. You don't have to worry about going under. You don't have to worry about it failing you and not supporting you. God will place you where you will be the most supported and the most everything in your life be okay. But you've got to remember God. We look now at verses 6. Starting in verse 6 and going back. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth and its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, O oh Lord. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery deeps overcame me and the seaweed was wrapped around my head. But I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more. Once more I will look to your holy temple. You threw me into the depths and the heart of the seas and the current overcame me. And your breakers and billows overswept me. We as Christians often feel like we've been thrown in a prison when actually we're the ones that have placed ourselves there. The other night on Wednesday night as we heard people tell their stories and there's been countless of them telling their stories here and we hear these people talk about a literal, physical building with walls and bars that they've been put into. We've also heard others that had an addiction that placed them in prison. We've also heard from others whose life choices that they made have placed them behind. And it feels like the weight of the world is crashing down on top of them. That everything is on their shoulders and theirs alone. Some of us sitting in here this morning that are barely treading water. Can you imagine being inside that fish? You know, I, I watch these little blooper videos, and Katie's like, How do you stand them? I watch them, and it shows these little things like people that go out on kayaks in the ocean while whales are feeding. You look like bait. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of the kayakers, this huge mouth opens up and it just stretches out and it swallows up huge 
huge amounts of water and fish and seaweed and plankton. Anything that is in the span of its mouth. How many of us as Christians go out into the world and and we go out in this little bitty kayak and and we get out there. When we get out there, we start to look around and and then it dawns on us, this, this wasn't a good idea. And all of a sudden, the world just opens up. Looks so inviting. Looks so fun. Looks so pleasurable. But then, all of a sudden, those huge jaws and mouth close. And now you're trapped. Now you're caught up in and you can't get out. And it's the way that, that those fish eat and that runs down into the stomach and then the body of the fish, it, it, it sorts out the water and, and, and it goes out the gills and, and, and down through. And, but there's still a lot that makes it. And so as Jonah was there struggling, like a lot of us are this morning, the water seems to be getting deeper and deeper and deeper. A lot of us place ourselves in prison in our minds and physically and financially and and we become a prisoner of debt. We become a prisoner of sin. We become a prisoner of work. We become a prisoner of I've got to do better on my own. But then all of a sudden there's a little bit of hope. There's a little bit of light. You think, oh, okay, I can make this. And then the water comes back again. And then you start trying to fight your way out. And you start trying to to get out of the water. And you start trying to, to swim. And then all of a sudden, this seaweed comes and it wraps all the way around you. We were honest this morning. How many of us sitting here today would say, life has just wrapped me up. I've got so many heartaches and so many trials and so many burdens that every time it seems like I raise my head up, something else wraps around me and pulls me down. I wonder this morning, as we look at our own lives, do you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders? Some of us sitting here this morning are sitting here and going, school is starting back in just a few few weeks. Some a few days. Parents are sitting here wondering, do I have the supplies and do I have everything they needed? Do they have all their shots? Do they have enough? Did they get the latest backpack? Did they get the best looking of this? Or or did I get them enough? And did they have fun enough this summer? And, and, And they start weighting all this on top of their selves. Wanting to know if it's all been worthwhile. We have teachers and that are saying, and have I have I got my lessons plans done? And and and, and did I spend enough time with my own children this summer? And, and and did I did I neglect my husband or my family because I was too worried about what was going to happen when school started? And and how is that life going to be? And we're struggling this morning. We've got people sitting in this church today 
that life has just about wrapped you up to the point you can't make it. Things are happening in your life. You're thinking about something that's going on this week for Katie and I and Katie's family. This is, this is the time of year when her mother passed away a year ago. And there have been text messages going back and forth and Facebook posts, memory posts that have been shared of good times and remembering. But then all of a sudden, this memory pops up and their mother is not there. They can't run down to Darnell Street in Boaz, Alabama and sit on the porch and talk to her. You can't pick up the phone and call her and say, hey, how's it going? Or the grandkids did something this week and I want to tell you, but you're not here to listen. And those struggles are real. They burden us. They break our hearts. Jonah was in that fish. And if we look at chapter 2, verse number 2, we find that Jonah says very patiently to me. He seems very patient. Because he said, I called out to the Lord in my distress. And he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. And you heard my voice. Now we're going to go back and we're going to read this or explain this in the Greek and Hebrew that it was written in. Jonah was in misery. He was sorrowful. He had everything in this world going against him. And a matter of fact, Jonah said, I was in the very pit of hell. And I cried out to you. That shoal means Hades, hell, abode of the dead. His life was ending. There was so much pain and sorrow and heartache and there was so much that he had done wrong when he just needed to go the direction that he wanted to go in. That he needed to go in by God's design. But he went the opposite way. find that Jonah cried out, cried out to the Lord. There's another story in the Bible. In Luke chapter 15, there's a story of a young man that thought he had his life all together and he wanted to do it his way. So he left. He left his family, he left his father, he left riches untold. And he went out into the world. Sound like your life? He squandered away the blessings and the love and the monies that he had from his father. Some of us have done that in our own lives just recently. We've lost all that God gave us. We've lost the hope. We've lost the joy, which is above riches. And one day, when he, the prodigal son, was out in the field in the very pit of hell in his life, he remembered, in my father's house, his servants are eating better than I am. And for a Jewish boy, 
He was willing to eat the cobs that they were feeding the pigs. Now, you remember in Jewish custom, pigs are dirty. You're not to partake of them. You're not to be around them. If you read through the Bible, you find out a lot of Jews own pigs, and I don't understand that. If they're that bad and that dirty, why do you have them? They made money off of them. You could sell them to other people. But the prodigal son, as he went through, he said the people around me wouldn't even give me the cobs, the scraps off their table if they were feeding the pigs. Some of us here this morning, we're looking around and, and we're like the prodigal son. We're spiritually hungry and we're searching and we can't get fed the Word of God because it's not politically correct anymore and it might offend and hurt somebody's feelings if you tell them God loves them no matter what they've done to their life. Some of you are sitting here needing, needing somebody to feed you the scraps off of their table. Just to let that excess of blessings and love and mercy flow off of them onto you. Verse 1. Jonah prayed to, the, to God from inside the fish. morning we may feel like we're as far away from God as you can get I don't think you can get any further away than Jonah was Jonah was in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the ocean or sea or whatever it was he was as far down as he could get and he cried out to God now let's look at it if he had done it the right way if he had gone the direction that he needed to go in. Verse 1, chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord, God from inside the fish. Is it time for you to start praying to God from inside your troubles and your trials and your heartaches and your sorrows and your burdens? Is it time that from the very pit of hell itself, you raised up your eyes toward heaven and told God, I still believe in you and that you can bring me out. Verse 2 says, They called to the Lord in distress. And the last part says, And He answered me. If you'll call out to the Lord in distress, He will answer you. He will hear you. Cherry Easter, a southern gospel singer, wrote a song when she had breast cancer. And the song title is Hear My Heart. And she talks about the struggles and the pain and the faith that she had to believe in God. That even when she was hurting so bad, she could not utter a word. God heard her heart and answered her. When I cried out from the very pit of hell, you heard my voice. 
It doesn't matter what the world tells you. If you're burdened down and you're just being pushed and pushed and you can't go down any lower, God will still answer you. From the depths of the sea, when the current overtakes me, but I said I've been banished from your sight, but I will look once more towards your holy temple. When was the last time? When was the last time you looked to the Lord in His holy temple? When was the last time in your life that you raised up your eyes to God and said, I can't do this alone. You're going to have to take me. You're going to have to be the one that drives this. When we feel like we've been engulfed in the waters and we're just wrapped up in everything in life and we're sinking further and further down. And the bars of this prison that we're in, in our mind, physically, spiritually, financially, we're in prison and we're sinking and, and, and we're too weary. Verse number 6, it says, From the pit, Lord my God, from the pit that I'm in. In verse number 7, this is what I want to ask you this morning. Verse number 7, he says, As my life was fading away, as my life was coming to the end, I couldn't go any further, I can't take any more, I don't know what I'm going to do, I'm going to die if something doesn't happen. said, I remembered Yahweh. I remembered God is with me. And my prayer came to you in your holy temple. When was the last time you prayed to God in His holy temple? When was the last time you raised your eyes, raised your heart, raised your voice and said, Lord, here am I and I need you. I'm struggling so bad I can't stand it. God, I'm sinking in despair so deep I don't know what to do. But like most of us, those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. There's a lot of us sitting in here this morning that have faithless idols. Some of us make our children an idol. They do no wrong. They have no, no, it wasn't my child. That couldn't be done. It's your fault that my child did that. Some of us have made idols out of our jobs. Some of us have made idols that if I don't work and, and I don't do this, then and I'm not a man. If I don't provide like I'm supposed to, I'm not a man. Some of you ladies are sitting here this morning and and your hearts are hurting and breaking because there's trouble in in your life and in your family and you think, have I failed as as a mother or as a parent or as a wife? We make idols out of what we want. Instead of going to God and making His throne our worship, 
making His presence our desire, making His, His glory our joy. But Jonah, as bad as the situation was and as dark and dim as it was, he looked up to God and he says, As for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving and I will fulfill that I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. This morning, when was the last time that you fulfilled your vow? That you made to God the day that you said, Father, I'm a sinner and I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. I have sinned and I claim forgiveness for that sin through your Son's shed blood on this earth for me. And I claim that, God. And yet you've turned around now and you've walked away and you've not kept that vow. You've broken it. You don't have anything for Thanksgiving to cry out. You don't have any thanksgiving in your heart and in your life because you've broken the vow and you're in the very pits of despair. This morning, if you'll cry out, if you'll come to God, bring it to Him. Let Him have it. Let Him take care of it. You'll end up like Jonah. You'll end up like Jonah and when you cry out and you see Him sitting high on the throne and you bring your cares to Him and you bring it to Him. And in verse number 7 says, And I remembered that you were Yahweh. I remembered. As soon as you remember and you bring it to God, He'll place your feet on dry land. You'll place your heart back together again. The burdens will get lighter. He'll send friends to you. And He'll have people there to help and comfort you. This morning we're going to sing again, Come as you are, as our invitation. God did not ask Jonah, get out of that belly. Don't, don't. He didn't tell Jonah, get out. And when you get out, go take a bath, put on the best clothes you've got and come find me. He said, just as you are, Jonah. When the prodigal son was going back home, the Bible says that his father saw him afar off. Afar off he saw him. And he went and ran to him. I promise you this morning, if you take one step from where you're at right now, God will run to meet you. God is just waiting on you to come back to Him. Some of y'all, He may be waiting on you to come to Him for the first time. But He didn't ask the prodigal son, now before you go home, go find you a creek and go wash off and clean up. You smell like a pig. You're dirty. He said, come to me just as you are. As the prodigal son made his way back home, the father ran out, wrapped his arms around him, said he put his coat on him. You know what he was doing? 
He was putting His love back on His Son. And He was wrapping Him up in the protection of the family. And He was telling Him, it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've done. You're part of mine and I still love you. And that's the same thing God will do today. Is He will come and He'll meet you and He'll wrap His loving arms around you. And instead of the crown of thorns that you deserved, And to be hung on the cross. He'll put the ring on your finger that says, this one's mine. And you need to leave him alone. Quit bothering her with the struggles that she's got in her life. Leave her alone. She's under my protection. This morning as we stand and when our praise team comes and we get ready to close. Will you come to God just as you are? Father, this morning we thank you for, Lord, everything that you've given us. Father, we thank you that we can come to you just as we are, Lord. Father, that when we have burdens and trials, we can bring them to you. When our life is in the pit and we're being destroyed by our own choices and our own being, God, we can still come to you. God, when we do as Jonah did, and remember that you are Yahweh, that you're standing there waiting on us. And once we say, I need you, you bust hell wide open to bring it to us, God, and to pull us out of it. God, this morning, we just ask it, if there's someone here today, Lord, Father, someone that's been struggling with things that have been done to them, Father, they're struggling with life. They're struggling with the loss of a loved one. God, they're struggling with what am I going to do with my children when school starts and how am I going to provide for them and what not. Father, let's let them bring all those burdens to you. Father, when they bring those burdens to you and they lay them down, that they walk away without. They walk away whole and they walk away clean. And Father, most of all, they walk away on dry solid ground that will not swallow them up and will not let them sink. But God, it will support them and lift them up and Father, be there for them. This morning, Lord, we just ask all this in Your Son's holy name. Amen.